Welcome to Angus Beef Bulletin Audio, a hands-free ABB extension. Thanks for joining us. I'm Casey Brown, Managing Editor of Audio for the Angus Beef Bulletin. These are the three new marketing articles in the October 4th edition of the Angus Beef Bulletin Extra. You can find these online at angusbeefbulletin.com extra. If you have questions or comments, please let us know at abbeditorial at angus.org. Now, let's get started. Feeding Quality Forum, Winning with Feeder Calf Marketing. Tips for Earning a Premium on Feeder Calves by Whitney Whitaker with the American Angus Association. Raising the best beef requires providing the best management and care along with the best genetics possible. Producers across the country are going above and beyond, but are they getting paid for their extra time and effort? In the feeder calf sector, customer demands signal new opportunities for producers to market their calves and even earn a premium for doing so. During the 2022 Certified Angus Beef Feeding Quality Forum in Kansas City, Missouri, August 24th, a panel of industry experts shared insights about the most effective strategies for producers to use. Paul Dykstra, Director of Supply Management and Analysis for CAB, moderated panel members Troy Marshall with the American Angus Association, Don Graham with Crossroads Cattle Company, and Greg Foote of Foote Cattle Company. Perspectives and areas of expertise ranged among the panelists, but all agreed good genetics are the right place to start. I don't care if you're a 20 head cow operation or if you're a 2000 cow operation, we have got to start with genetics, Graham said. For instance, with all natural or non-hormone treated cattle, the cost of gain to finish the cattle and differences in performance have to come from genetics. For producers who don't think their calves are selling well, Foote suggested upgrading genetics by purchasing outside females. Whenever you replace your heifers, build it back with a better one, said Foote. Make your herd better, buy good bulls, always strive to do better. It's a good investment for you long term. Graham said quality genetics and bulls are available for producers to use. Through the Angus Link program, the Genetic Merit Scorecard can help producers differentiate the genetics in which they choose to invest. The scorecard enables us, for the first time, to have an objective, reliable way of describing the genetic merit of a pen of feeder cattle, Marshall agreed. We give them three scores for feedlot, beef, and grid, which they can use to then manage the cattle and assess value. Through the scorecard and other process-verified programs, buyers obtain more information on the cattle, helping them make more confident decisions. As Graham shared, the more ammunition they put in the gun, the higher price he can get for his customer's cattle. Information and data come from the management side of the operation. Whether it be herd sire records, when and how vaccinations were administered, or previous feed data, it can all help producers market their cattle. From Graham's perspective, proper management and planning the right steps to achieve it are instrumental in marketing calves. In Foote's position, he values producers consistently improving the cattle while following proper weaning and vaccination protocols. Turnaround shots, modified live, make sure we're doing it. Make sure we're weaning for a long time. Make sure you're weaning them out with some cool season grass or hay, feeding them and making sure we're stretching out their gut, Foote says. That way, by the time they come in our hands at the cattle operation, they're able to do something. Working backward by considering what the buyer is looking for could also be helpful for the cow-calf producer. Marshall reminded the audience that two years' worth of decisions influence sale day. Developing trust, creating relationships, and properly managing the health and nutrition of the calves all play a role in capturing a premium. 
I think a big part of marketing is having a program and strategy, said Marshall. Then you create the right cattle with the right information, the right documentation, and then work on getting in front of the right people at the right time. Editor's note, Whitney Whitaker is a communication specialist for the American Angus Association. Market Closeout. A Tradition Dies. Commentary by Troy Marshall, American Angus Association. If you're like me, you have a soft spot for tradition. I'm still not a big fan of four-wheelers and calf cradles. I like the tradition of doing things horseback. I take a lot of pride that we are one of the few industries left in which you can do a million-dollar deal and seal it with a handshake. No need for lawyers or contracts. Like all businesses, the cattle industry has been transformed by technology. But what makes it unique is that it has held on to many of the traditions that make the cattle industry special. Nothing has been more tradition-bound than the way we sell our cattle. I absolutely love to hear a good auctioneer's chant, and utilizing competitive bidding as is as efficient a price discovery tool as we have, especially when there is such a disparate number of buyers and sellers. That doesn't mean our marketing system doesn't have some outdated, inefficient aspects that must be replaced. Most recognize commodity pricing of cattle is one of the greatest obstacles our industry faces when it comes to making a higher quality product and making it more efficiently. A one-size-fits-all pricing system that essentially pays for all cattle the same with slight adjustments for condition, compensatory gain, health status, lot size, distance from feeding areas, and reputation must change. Genetics play far too big of a role in determining overall profitability to not include in the pricing of feeder cattle and calves. When you think about it, every segment of our business sells cattle based on genetic merit, from the seed stock business with expected progeny differences, to the feed yard, grids, to the packer and retailer, quality grades and brands. It wasn't that buyers didn't understand the importance of genetics and their effect on the bottom line. It was simply they didn't have a reliable, objective way of measuring the genetics for a pen of feeder cattle. Reputation was the only tool we had, so we utilized it. We counted on someone having a good experience and being willing to come back and pay more for those calves as a result. The problem is it's hard to build a reputation. Not everyone can experience how your genetics perform, and only a few people have any sort of objective information upon which to determine what value your calves may have in relation to another. The result was that prices were always forced to the middle, and superior genetics were counted on to subsidize inferior genetics. The problems with their old system of marketing cattle are almost too numerous to count. They don't lead to increased demand, better quality, increased efficiency, or happier buyers. Nearly all those problems go away by simply having a way of accurately describing genetics so price reflects the value, or lack of value, that they contribute. Sometimes traditions are a hindrance, and they must evolve. It wasn't that we didn't know the value of genetics, we just didn't have a way of describing them that worked at the speed of commerce. That is why the genetic merit scorecard is transforming the way cattle are marketed. We used to sell seed stocks solely on appearances, but EPDs gave us a better tool. It's almost impossible to imagine selling bulls without EPDs today. A new tradition was born. In a similar way, I think we will look back and tell our grandkids that we used to sell feeder cattle solely based on appearance and reputation. My dad had a tradition of ordering his steaks well done when he went to a restaurant. It was a tradition that made no sense and needed to be replaced. Selling cattle without a genetic score is another tradition that served nobody and needs to be replaced. Change takes time, but when it serves both the buyer and seller, it is ultimately inevitable.
Editor's note, Troy Marshall is the director of the commercial industry relations for the American Angus Association. Fundamentals support higher cattle prices, but inflation poses a risk. A shrinking breeding herd supports higher prices, but the consumer has the final say. By Troy Smith, field editor. Looking at the supply side of the equation, there are good reasons why cattle folk would be optimistic about cattle price levels for the next few years. A few people have suggested prices might even exceed the record highs seen in 2014 and 15. Others are more guarded. They question whether demand might weaken if inflation-weary consumers push back against higher retail beef prices. University of Nebraska-Lincoln Extension livestock economist Elliot Dennis talked about changes in cattle inventory that support optimism among cattle producers, as well as the potential effect of inflation. During UNL's Goodmanson Sandhills Laboratory Open House, hosted recently near Whitman, Nebraska. A member representative to the Livestock Market Information Center, Elliot shared information from the center's market analysis and forecast. According to Dennis, commercial beef production in the United States is expected to decline during the next couple of years, starting with a 3 to 4 percent reduction in 2023. The primary reason is a shrinking beef, uh, a shrinking breeding herd. Drought-diminished pasture and forage production, plus high hay prices, have prompted aggressive cow culling and lower replacement retention rates. Dennis said the total U.S. cow tally dropped from dropped by 719,000 from 2021 to 2022, with the biggest reductions in numbers occurring in South Dakota, down 189,000, Texas, down 160,000, Missouri, down 94,000, and Montana, down 90,000. Drought has persisted, but the location has changed, said Dennis, noting how the herd reduction decisions made in the North and Northwest last year are now happening in more of the South and Southwest. The bottom line is that we have a shrinking supply of feeder cattle, stated Dennis. Ultimately, we should see higher prices, at least into 23 and 24. Based on current market fundamentals, Dennis sees potential for 2023 prices to reach 280 to 290 per hundredweight on 500 to 600 pound calves. He cautioned producers to remember that higher calf prices don't necessarily deliver more profit. It depends on each operation's production costs. LMIC analysis suggests that since 1995, total average annual cash, cost, cash costs per cow have increased by about $25 annually. The estimated average is $950 per cow. Dennis said projected higher cattle prices are based on lower cattle numbers, potentially lower corn prices, and continued strong demand for beef. He noted that the U.S. beef industry has grown increasingly reliant on exports. The export market has grown stronger and more diverse, and there is potential for continued growth. However, Dennis called the domestic market pretty mature. He said the average U.S. consumer expenditures for beef don't vary much from year to year, and the potential for growth may be more limited. The biggest threat to strong cattle prices is inflation, said Dennis, explaining that prolonged inflation could result in consumers downgrading beef purchases to less expensive cuts or just buying less. Potentially, reduced demand at retail could put downward pressure on beef prices that gets pushed back to packers, to feedlots, and all the way back to cow-calf producers. Editor's note, Troy Smith is a cattleman and freelance writer from Sargent, Nebraska.